Welcome to Cautious Optimism, an infertility podcast. We are three friends eternally bonded by our individual heartaches with infertility. Join us each week as we discuss the ups and downs that often accompany the road to parenthood. Here's to hoping for the best and being cautiously optimistic about the future. Welcome to the Cautious Optimism Podcast. We're so excited today to have our friend with us, Carrie Wood. Hi. Uh, We're so excited she's here. Just a little background on why she's here with us today. She is an ultrasonographer and has been for 10 years, correct? Yeah. And she now teaches uh, ultrasound students at the University of Utah. And we just love her. She has three darling kids. She's our neighbor and close girlfriend. And we just love all that she is in our lives, but we thought it would be a great conversation um, with her because ultrasounds are such a large part of anyone trying to get pregnant or having a baby or going through infertility. And the experiences we have with ultrasounds can really leave a lasting impression on, you know, us as patients. And so we thought this might be a good conversation to have that many will relate to. Like we've had great experiences with our ultrasonographers or we've had Less than great experiences. So we just have a couple questions for Carrie, but thanks for taking the time to be with us today, Carrie. Oh, I'm honored. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We're so glad to have you on. But first off, we just want to ask you, when you're in school to become a sonographer, is there a taught like a section of your course where you talk about infertility and how, or patients trying to get pregnant and how to handle those situations? Like, is there a specific, you know, things you're, you're taught with that? So being the teacher of this section myself, I am trying to implement this because I think it's so important. But when I was a student, I do not remember any sort of infertility topic or anyone talking about how to deal with a miscarriage, nothing like that. It was on-the-job training. And when you are training on the job, you're basically following one sonographer for that day. So if you're with someone and there happens to be a patient that's having a bad outcome and you see how that one tech handles it, it might be someone who's really cold and you're not really learning that, you know, there's other ways until you're with someone else and hopefully you can find someone else that teaches you how to be compassionate. But compassion is not something that we learn in a textbook. That's really interesting. I mean, I think infertility has become a lot more talked about nowadays, right? I think people are more open to discussing that in the medical field, but to not have that covered has got to put you in sometimes an awkward situation as a sonographer, I would imagine. Absolutely. And also, this is something that I really would like to see streamlined, but depending on the patient and the doctor that happens to be working that day, like there's going to be someone that I do tell that, you know, your baby doesn't have a heartbeat or there's going to be someone that, ooh, I'm not going to say anything because I can just tell this patient has no idea and this doctor wants to be the one to tell them or this patient, they kind of know what's going on. So I can confirm that, yeah, we don't see a heartbeat. And sometimes we just have doctors that make us do it and it's horrible. That's so shocking. I can't believe that there was no conversation with how often you are expected to deal with those situations, that there was no preparation to say this is, you know, some tools on how to handle it. Do you remember your first solo experience in an ultrasound having to deliver that kind of news? 
Uh, not I can't recall the first time. Yeah. But I have many, many images in my brain just kind of burned there where I just feel heartbroken for that patient. Um there's just there's just different situations where I wish I could just turn the situation around for them and I know that I can't do that but I have learned over the years that having compassion is really important when you're dealing with these situations and I wish that I would have learned that from the beginning. That's really interesting to hear you say that. And I agree. I think we have talked about that a lot. You had just recently interviewed us actually for your students. And so that's where this interview kind of spurred from. But can you tell us about maybe the difficult situations you've found yourself in as a sonographer when you're imaging a patient who is trying to conceive, not just infertility, but anyone who's in that pregnancy realm or I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you've worked with IVF patients, really, have you? I've taken a couple shifts at our reproductive endocrinology oh, institute, so I have had a little bit of experience there. Yeah. Um. So I've found myself in a handful of different difficult situations. Um. Sometimes I just don't know what the right thing to say is, and sometimes I don't know what this particular patient would prefer. You know, some patients want me to talk to them the entire time and say, this is what I'm looking at. This is this, is this, this is that. And then sometimes patients don't want to hear any of that. So it's difficult to analyze the situation and what type of sonographer they want me to be. Sometimes we have patients that come in through the ER, they're actively bleeding, they're very suspicious for a miscarriage, but they're just heartbroken from the beginning. And, you know, sometimes I I can just, I can tell that this is not going to be a viable pregnancy. And it's really, really hard. It's hard to keep a poker face, first of all, because legally we're not supposed to say. Um, Until a doctor has reviewed the images, correct? Right. Correct. So we try and keep a poker face. Um, and sometimes actually it's just a really difficult scan, like where we can't see very clearly. And so sometimes we do get really quiet and we're silent and we're concentrating. And then the patient's like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you seeing? And I'm like, well, I'm just looking at, you know, X, Y, Z and I'm, and I'm, but I'm also trying to carry on a conversation as I'm concentrating. So that's a difficult scenario yeah. to be in, um, especially if you have a sonographer who's just beginning. They're really bad at that. Trying to separate your left brain and your right brain. Your right hand is scanning someone. Your left hand is typing. You're trying to concentrate and have a conversation. It's a lot going on at once. So if you have a silent sonographer it might not be because something's wrong it might just be because they're either new or really trying to concentrate or maybe it's just not a typical scan even though everything will be normal everyone has different body anatomy so no two patients are the same that's really good information to know because i think yes. we all think <laughs> silence means something bad yeah. yeah so i'm glad you brought that up that especially with sonographers who are learning, like give them some grace because they're trying to do the best job they can. And it's not because they don't want to talk to you. They're just like, I got to get this right. You know, yeah, it is so stressful. that's a really great point. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure like you said, these conversations are 
incredibly difficult to have. Has that part of your job become easier with how many years of experience you have? Definitely. It's definitely become easier as I've gotten more experience. Um, With that, though, we're still human. I'm a human. And sometimes my life is in a really good place. I've got a lot of energy. I'm not burned out. And I feel like I'm a really good tech. Sometimes there's stuff going on in our home life or I'm pregnant myself and feeling like crap or, you know, something's going on and I'm just not a very good tech, let's be honest. Um, I remember a situation though where I was three months postpartum with my first baby and I went to work and I had a patient who had no idea it was their first baby. It was their 20-week anatomy scan and I put the probe down and I just knew that this was a really, there was a lot going on that was not normal. And I felt so bad. I had postpartum emotions. Um, By the time the scan was over, they still had no idea whatsoever. And I go and show my doctor and we're going over all the images and the doctor comes back in to talk to the patient and explain everything that we saw. And of course, the patient starts crying and, and then I started crying because I felt so bad. I, I couldn't contain my emotions. And that was just, it was hard because I knew that they were heartbroken and, and, you know, they had options, but, um, options as far as if they were going to abort the pregnancy or continue to carry it to term. But, um, I just knew at that moment, I'm like, you know, sometimes it's okay not to be so professional stonewalled you know like we all have emotions I think my coworkers were looking at me like I was crazy but you know I was like I have emotions and this is sad and it's okay to have emotions too I think that makes you a sometimes I think as a clinician we forget that like emotions can actually be a connection with our patients and like so it doesn't being professional doesn't mean we have to be emotionless right and so I think that woman probably it might have appreciated your emotion because she probably was like, oh, my gosh, someone else can understand this pain. I don't know if you cried in front of her, but like. I did. Yeah, yeah I was crying prob- in the room. She probably felt like at least someone else feels this with me and cares. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, because, too, you know, we were kind of laughing and joking and having a great conversation the whole time. And that's why it was it's really hard to mm-hmm. have like, OK, well, I know that this baby is not healthy. And I'm trying to make this a good experience for them, even though it's about to turn really bad for them. And I don't know the correct answer to balance that. I don't know how to correctly balance the compassion with the professionalism, especially when you see that there is something wrong. Yeah, I can't imagine. That'd be incredibly difficult. Okay, Carrie. So how frequently would you say these situations occur? You could say on a daily basis, weekly, monthly. How often is it pretty obvious to you in your experience that the pregnancy is either not viable or that there's something seriously not right? Yeah. So it's actually mind-blowing how frequent we have unviable pregnancies or patients that come in that have issues. So I would say every single day. And sometimes 
it feels like I work in maternal fetal medicine. So we're a high risk institution. Um, so every day we have a miscarriage happening, if not multiple. That and is crazy. I know. And sometimes I feel like I am just the unlucky one and I would have like three in a row. And I'm like, okay, time for me to go I need, home. I need to go to lunch now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like I think I need to clock out because I'm just not good luck today. Oh. So that could happen. And, um, you know, patients that have things that are wrong, we see even more often because if a patient is seen at a different facility and they see something that's wrong, they get referred to us. So we'll see patients coming to us and then we'll follow them up often. So as a high-risk MFM place, we see a lot of of that tragic, <laughs> the tragedy of that. But, um, you know, we also see a lot of healthy, you know, that's mostly what we see. So that's the hard part is we will get a patient that comes in, maybe my first patient of the morning, and they're so excited. It's their first pregnancy and they're excited for like show and tell, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we can give that to them sometimes. And then maybe the next patient is a miscarriage. And then we're kind of, you know, maybe that kind of puts me in a funk. And then the next patient is another one of those 20-week scans. And they're looking for a really fun experience, memorable. And I'm like, you know, I just I just saw this and I'm not as uppity. And I so, can't even imagine the emotional roller coaster yeah, to like whiplash. be whiplash between the devastation and like you said, legally, you're not always the one to deliver it, but you are a huge part of it. And so to go from that to all of a sudden on the flip side, 20 minutes later to someone who's on top of the world, the most exciting news they've ever been given. I personally would not handle that well. I feel like I would be, like you said, in that instance, sobbing next to that patient, just heartbroken there with them, which I think is valuable to have that kind of bedside manner. But on the flip side, I would also struggle with blocking all emotion because it would feel like too much. I mm -hmm. couldn't take on everyone's emotion throughout the day. So how do you not take – because in a way, I feel like if I every day were dealing with miscarriage, I would feel like it happens, whatever. you know. And I've, yeah. I've dealt with some technicians where that feels like the vibe. Like, it's okay. You're one of – this many, you'll be fine. Try again. Right. <laughs> Where that was devastating to be on that side. How do you, I know you said it's hard to find that balance, but are there any practices that you do to not take all that emotion home with you day after day after day? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't have like a routine where I can block out those emotions really. Um, I'm lucky where I work a day or two a week. So otherwise I'm a full-time mom. Um, so I get to reset during the week and become human again and, you know, be with friends and social settings. Um, and then when I'm at work, I kind of get to still bring that fresh energy. I'm not burned out, right? Um, but yeah, you just kind of have to have thick skin in those situations. So, you know, have compassion in the room. Sometimes I shed a tear or two and then you just go back to your room, type up your paperwork and you just kind of reset. Sometimes I take a walk outside. Um, but yeah, it's just 
the medical field is really tricky. I I feel like I have such a better appreciation for sonographers just talking to you today. I just think giving your whoever's doing your ultrasound some grace and the fact that you don't know who the patient was before you and you had to have this joy for that patient and then say, I come in and I don't have a heartbeat with my pregnancy. Like I cannot imagine. It almost reminds me of the emotions that come with infertility, like this roller coaster of like, oh, I got good news, but now I got bad news. And maybe we have good news. Like that has got to be such a challenge. So I just, I really appreciate you being open about all this because I think sometimes it's easier for us to kind of fault our sonographer for making our experience not awesome. And I think hearing your perspective gives us a little bit more information that like you're doing, they're doing the best they can with what they've been dealt that day, especially working in the area you work. I mean, that's got to be really difficult. And I mean, do yeah. you feel like, I, I maybe this is kind of a weird question, but like, is there anything you want your patients to know who are struggling with infertility or like trying to conceive like for like something you wish they knew when you're doing their scan? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, we try and put ourselves in your shoe and sometimes, you know, we don't do a really good job about that, but possibly your tech is also going through infertility too. Right. And it's hard for them to talk about. Maybe they can't get there yet because they're still in their grief cycle too. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have our personal things that are going on and I myself have never struggled with infertility, but I know a lot of my coworkers have. Wow. So I know that that's a tricky balance for them and I don't know. It's hard to separate personal life from professional life. And I think it just kind of comes as, you know, time passes. But I wish that patients that came in knew that, you know, we're expected to provide medical care. We're not expected to provide an entertainment show. And Medical care is important. We want to make sure that baby has a good heartbeat. They've got their brain in order. They've got all sorts of things that are developing correctly. And we do want you to enjoy it and have a good time, but we can't just we can't just whip out these images and, you know, sometimes patients are like, "Wait, I just want a profile picture." And I'm like, "Well, your baby's facing the wrong way. I, you know, I can't really just flip your baby." Right. And, you know, it's yeah. It's, there's just more to it than that. So, you know, I wish they just could come in with expectation that we are going to do our best and this still is medical care. Um, but, you know, if you, you're welcome to share your expectations or if you, you know, if you can, if you have time, please try and do this. And yeah, or being open with you guys at the fact, like, I'm really anxious today. Like yeah. I... I've had really bad experiences in the past, like we talked about earlier, like just being open with whoever's doing your exam, like, here's where I'm at. Like, can you just honor that? And I'm sure your sonographer would do everything possible to make that experience better for you if they can. Right. You're totally more than welcome to say, hey, this, you know, I've had an ultrasound before. I felt like they just kind of whipped through it and I didn't really get understanding of what was happening. Would you please explain as you go? Be like, sure. Yeah, I'll way totally better do than that. that happening after the fact, right? Yeah. Right. Like set your expectations with the professional you're working with in any situation before 
it begins, I think is important. I think that's great advice for our audience. We talk a lot about advocating for yourself. This is one way to do that. Like you are in control and you can set the tone when you walk into these appointments, kind of own your emotions, own your story and let the tech know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that would, that, that would help you, right. To navigate better. And sometimes, we have impossible expectations. I know I find myself being like, yeah, if you're going to give me bad news, I'm not going (laughs) to like this no matter what. I know. And there's just nothing you can do. But advocate for yourself, I think, is a great advice. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask, Carrie, um, with COVID, has your facility restricted visitors to come to the ultrasounds or are they still allowed – a partner or a support person? Yeah. So for a long time, it was just patient only, no support person, no visitors. And now we allow one. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, <laughs> we didn't yeah. know what we were doing, right? Like the whole world thought everyone was going to die. So right, things have changed where we allow that. Um, I will say I kind of like just having the one support person there. Yeah. It makes it more intimate. Right. Um, it makes the scan feel like important when someone brings their grandma, their aunt, their second cousin, their dog. You know what I mean? Have people like, brought that many people? Oh my gosh! Children. I've had oh, the oh, room wow. like standing room only before. Whoa! And it was so distracting. It was really hard to do my job. I was gonna Stress. say, you that's know, difficult. Yeah, it was hard. So they're all having side conversations, or oh my gosh, look at this, and I'm like, okay. I'm let me think really hard here. And then questions from all these different people. So I would suggest just keep it you and your partner. And usually they'll give you a DVD or something if it's the 20 week that you can take home and share with family. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can, don't bring your kids because we, it's hard for us to, to, you know, make sure your kids aren't going to go behind the machine and pull the cords or get electrocuted or spin on the stools or climb the cabinets, right? Um, of course, you know, if childcare falls through, that makes sense, but bring an iPad or something. So try and keep them settled. So yeah. Just, so it's a better experience for everyone yeah, involved, I it, think. it just is. And I have kids, so I know. I understand. But if you can, just keep it you and your partner. I think that's going to work out for everyone better. Nice. Well, Carrie, you're just the best. We appreciate you coming and doing this with us. Not only do we love just spending time with you, but getting to learn (laughs) from you. I just, I really do. I feel like I've learned a lot just talking with you. I have a greater appreciation for imaging technologists who are working in a difficult situation like you have found yourself in many times. But if I could pick you to do my ultrasound every time I would, I'm like, where's Carrie? Can I find her? Come to me. (laughs) Thank you again. And we just so appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Cautious Optimism. Find us on Instagram at Cautious Optimism Podcast. Send us a message, leave us a review, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, keep hoping for the best and stay cautiously optimistic about the future.